Oh, what a great God we serve. What a great God who loves us. He loved us so much that he sent his only son to die on the cross for us. And that's an amazing thing. Let's stand and sing the song, God So Loved.
good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We're so glad that you are here to worship with us. It's great to begin the service by singing of God's love and his love for us, and we rest in that this morning. So if you're a guest with us, we're glad that you're here. We'd love to get to know you. One of the ways that we can do that is through the guest card that's located in front of you in the pew rack there. If you could fill one of those out for us, and then after the service, if you turn to the left to our welcome center, our lead pastor, Dr. Cox, will be there. You can give him that card, and he has a small gift for you coming and being a part of our worship service this morning. And so we are in a season of prayer for North American missions, and as we pray, we also give to North American missions. This is a way that we celebrate uh, the gospel as we turn towards Easter. So we have four more weeks of this season of prayer, and we're halfway there on the goal of our offering of $20,000. So we're just under about $10,000 there, and so we're excited about that. 70% of this offering goes to the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. You hear the name Annie Armstrong, and you wonder, who is that, right? And she's an incredible woman with an incredible legacy, and I want you to know more about her story. So we're going to take a moment, watch this quick video, so you can see what you're giving to when you give to this offering. Let's watch this together. For almost a hundred years, in big cities with hundreds of skyscrapers and tiny towns with one stoplight, on college campuses and Native American reservations, and churches too many to count, hundreds of thousands of men and women and boys and girls have made hundreds of thousands of life-changing decisions. Thank you. 
Will you stand and let's sing together. He's shown us the evidence of his goodness.
And uh, this first verse talks about, you know, I love you, Lord, oh, and your mercy never fails me. All of my days I've been held in your hand from the moment I wake up until I lay my head down. Oh, I sing of the goodness of God. We were talking about, do you, and you, you do, do think about this. Has there been a time in your life when, when it felt like God wasn't there? And then you got through it and you looked back and you saw God all along and you saw, oh, he led me this way to keep me from going through that. And man, it's, it's just a powerful thing when you start thinking about the goodness of God and just how all that he does for us.
back to their seats. Let's just sing this. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so Good morning. Good to see you today. Glad you're here. I'm sharing a series of sermons in the month of March entitled Christ Followers. That's sort of a newer term for Christians, and it's a good term because it indicates that we are to follow Christ in a personal relationship. So we're trying to understand what that means by looking at passages in the Gospels where Jesus talked about following him. And we're trying to understand what will it mean in our lives for us to be Christ followers, to follow Jesus in a personal relationship. And today we're going to look at a passage in John chapter 10 where Jesus makes the comparison of following him to sheep who follow a shepherd. Now, most of us don't know a whole lot about sheep Um, in Israel Sheep were very common and still are very common. Shepherds are common. Uh, Most of us, even when we have sheep in America, usually they're pastured. They're not led now by a shepherd. So it's a little different image to us. But uh, we want to look at what that means to following Jesus. To get the understanding of John 10, before we dive in there, let's get the background in the Old Testament. Because this is a very common image to them. And in the Old Testament, God said, I'm your shepherd. Uh, We think of cattle, and you drive cattle, but you lead sheep. And sheep follow a shepherd. And God said, for example, Psalm 23, David wrote, The Lord is my shepherd. And God put uh, human shepherds, and they failed. And the leaders of Israel did not shepherd the people like they should. So let's look at Ezekiel 34. It's the background of John 10. So before we get to John 10, let me just read you some verses, uh, some selected verses from Ezekiel 34. Beginning at verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. So God was saying the priests, the kings, the the leaders of Israel had not done a good job taking care of his people. So he said in verse 11, For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. And he says in verse 23, one more verse, you can read the whole chapter, one more selected verse, I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them, he will tend them and be their shepherd. 
So there is a prophecy that because other leaders of God's people had failed, God was going to send a descendant of David. He doesn't mean literally David, because David had been dead hundreds of years by the time Ezekiel wrote. But one who is descended from David, the Messiah, the promised king, will be that good shepherd. So with that background, let's look at John chapter 10 and what Jesus had to say. John 10, 1, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. So Jesus is sort of linking the Pharisees with these bad shepherds who have not led well. And he says in verse 2, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. So let me share with you that picture in case you, it's not familiar to you. So shepherds would have their flocks, and groups of shepherds might hire a gatekeeper, and they would bring their sheep to a sheep pen at night in the village or at a central location of the, in the fields. And there would be a sheep pen made of rocks or thorn bushes in a circle or a rectangle. And all of those shepherds then would lead their sheep into that pen for the night and they could go rest and they would hire a young man to be a gatekeeper and he would stay there and guard those sheep in the night and he might pull a thorn bush in front of the opening and it, for the gate or he might even lie down himself in the opening and be a human barrier between the sheep and anyone who would steal them or any wolves, wolves who would come. And then the next morning, the shepherds would come and they would call out their sheep from the sheep pen. And there was such a relationship between a shepherd and the sheep that he knew them by name uh, and they knew his voice, and he would call to them, or he would play a distinctive note on a little shepherd's flute, and those sheep would come out from amid that sheepfold, and they would follow him. And the gatekeeper would let that shepherd get his sheep, but he wouldn't let others come in. So he continued to read, verse 3, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. So even today, this is still true. Gary Burge, uh, several years ago, told about a trip to the Holy Land, and uh, he in a village near Bethlehem, the, there had been sort of a Palestinian uprising and they had refused to pay their taxes to the Israeli government. So the local Israeli army officer had confiscated the shepherd's sheep and had brought them all together in a pen and said, we're not going to release your herds to you until you pay your taxes. And one woman, Burge said, came and pleaded with the uh, officer, said, I have paid my taxes, let me get my sheep out. And he said, well, the sheep are all mixed together. I can't tell whose are yours. I, she said, well, if I can identify them for you, will you let, 
will you release them to me? And he said, well, yeah, if you can, you can show me which sheep are yours, I'll do that. And she had her son play a distinctive note on his flute. And when he did, out of those hundreds of sheep in that pen, 25 of them raised their head and looked. And she called them by name, and they came out of that sheepfold, Burge said, and the officer allowed her uh, to take uh, the sheep on. That's the picture we have here of a relationship between a shepherd and a sheep in which they know one another by name and there's recognition and there is a, a willingness to follow. So Jesus told that figure of speech and then he applied it. First of all, he applies it in verse 7. He applies it in two ways. And first of all, Jesus said, I am the gate. And he makes application of this figure of speech. He says, I want you to know I am the gate. Verse 7, Jesus said, very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, talking about these false messiahs, false leaders, bad priests that they've had, Pharisees, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. So folks, I want to say to you today that Jesus is the only gateway, the only doorway to heaven. Jesus is the only way to salvation. If you want to be saved, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to go through Jesus. There's no other way. And all other voices that call to you are thieves and robbers, he says. He is the, the, the gate, the way to heaven. And you've got to come through him. Jesus said, in verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, steal, and kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly. And so Jesus has your best interest at heart. And Jesus knows the best life that you can live. And other voices that you hear that are telling you this is the way to life, don't listen to God, don't listen to the Bible, don't listen to Jesus, other voices, they, he says they are really in for self-interest to kill you and to destroy you. That's what the devil wants to do. The devil is a liar and the devil is a murderer. And so when his voices tell you things contrary to Jesus, he, he is seeking to destroy you. But Jesus has your best interest at heart. And some people think, oh, God is a killjoy and God doesn't want me to have a good life. God wants you to have the fullest, richest life possible. He said, I have come that you can have life and have it to the max. Have it in fullness. Have it more abundantly. And then Jesus makes a second application of this uh, figure of speech that he's used. And he says, not only am I the gate, but he says, I am the good shepherd. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd, so he is the one who calls to the sheep. And he says, he has demonstrated this in verse 11, by the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Here's a prediction that Jesus is going to die for us. And he would very soon go to the cross and lay down his life for them and showing his loyalty to his sheep. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So as I've talked with your uh, lead pastor search team, I've encouraged them to not talk about hiring a new pastor, because you can hire somebody to do the job, 
But a hired hand will not be invested, and a hired hand will run away when it gets tough. But a shepherd is so invested in his sheep that he'll die for them. And so you want to call a shepherd, not hire a leader. And so there's a difference, he says, between a hireling and a shepherd. So what is this figure of speech that Jesus has told us? Tell us about what it means to be a Christ follower. Let me make two applications from his words here. Number one, Christ followers know Jesus and are known by him. Christ followers know Jesus and are known by him. Look at verse 14 where he says again, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. So there is a personal relationship that we want you to get about this thing of Christianity, of being a Christ follower. That it is not just believing some things in your head. I believe Jesus, Son of God, I believe He rose from the dead. You can, you can do that and not be a Christ follower. It is personally knowing Him. Sometimes people will ask me uh, if I know somebody who's famous. Maybe they ask me, do you know a famous preacher? Hey, do you know Rick Warren or Craig Groeschel or... Charles Stanley or, or David Jeremiah, you get the idea, somebody like that. And I don't know what they mean. Uh, I don't want to mislead them, but hey, we're buddies, you know. I, I, I'm, and so I will say, well, I know who they are, but I don't know them personally, right? You understand the difference there? I, I don't have a personal relationship with them. Well, what I want you to get, that being a Christ follower is knowing Jesus Personally, it's not just knowing some things about him and knowing who he is. Do you have a relationship of communication, interaction, love, and intimacy with him like that of a sheep and a shepherd? And in this verse, next verse, he goes on to explain it, verse 15, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And so, the relationship that we have with Jesus as far, far as our personal interaction with love and intimacy is like the relationship in the Trinity of the Father and the Son. And so, tragically, you can even be in church or even be a church member or even doing things for God and still not know Jesus in that personal way. Did you know that? There are many people who, who do stuff for God, who know all about Bible stories, but don't know Jesus in a personal relationship. You say, well, I'm not sure that's true. Then let me show it to you in the Bible. Let me show you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who's in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will tell them plainly, I what? I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. So, more importantly than knowing, or, well, not more importantly, but the other side of knowing Jesus is, does Jesus know you? Now, again, 
Jesus knows everyone in one sense, right? He knows all about you. He knows your name. He knows your sins. He knows your hopes and your dreams. He knows your desires. He knows your secret thoughts. He knows all about everyone. But he doesn't know everyone relationally, this verse says, right? He says, I never knew you. And so, to be a Christ follower is to know Jesus in a personal relationship and to be known by him relationally like that of the Trinity between the Father and the Son. And I just want to keep driving that point home because how tragic it would be if we knew all about Jesus and we didn't know him personally. How tragic would it be if we did religious stuff and came to church and knew Bible stories, and did not have a personal relationship with him. And what he says that being a Christ follower is that I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Do you know him in that kind of relationship? Now, the good news is that anyone can know Jesus and be known to him. Let me show you one more verse on this. It is Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, and it says, Jesus says, Here I am. Jesus says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice, you get the parallel there with the sheep, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. Do you see how he talks about it in the language of fellowship? What's more personal than, than eating with somebody? He said, I'll fellowship with you. I'll, we'll know one another. I will eat with that person and that person with me. You can, have, you can know Jesus. And you can be known by Jesus. And he gives you this invitation to know him if you'll open the door of your heart to him and say, God, I want to know you. Jesus, I want to know you in a personal way. You'll be my shepherd, and I'll submit to and follow you as a sheep follows a shepherd. I want you to know me, be part of your flock. You know me by name, and I want to be known by you. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. Now, there's a second application I want to make from this passage about what it means to be a Christ follower, and that is Christ followers recognize Jesus' voice and follow him. Did you see that throughout these passages? We know him and we're known by him, and we recognize his voice and thus follow him. Let me uh, read you some of these verses. We'll go back and look at a few we've looked at before. Verse, let me read verses 3 through 5 once again. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the, gate and the sheep listen to his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought all of his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Then again, down in verse 16, haven't looked at this verse yet, let's read it. I have other sheep who are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus there is talking about Gentiles. The first 
part is about the, to the nation of Israel, and the other sheep of another fold are Gentiles. That's most of us, right? Non-Jews. We have recognized the voice of God in the words of Jesus, and we have come to know him and be known by him. And he's telling these Jews that this matter of a flock is not just this flock of Israel that you've heard about all through the Old Testament, but the plan of God is to broaden that to be the Savior of the world and include both Jew and Gentile. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah and he's the savior of the world. And so we've come to hear his voice, and we're included Jew and Gentile into one flock with one shepherd. One more verse about this is the summary verse down in verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So being a Christ follower is recognizing Jesus' voice and following him. Now, how do we recognize Jesus' voice. Well, the words of Jesus have been recorded in this book, the Bible, and we have come to believe that this is the voice of God, that this is Jesus' voice to us, and they ring true. The words of Jesus ring true to us, and we recognize them to be truth, and we follow his voice through this book. So you're going to hear a lot of voices in the world telling you how to live, what to believe, how to behave, what to say. And what you've got to do is have some discernment if you're a Christ follower that you recognize his voice and you run from those strangers' voices, right? The sheep will run from the stranger. And you hone in on and you recognize the voice of God in Scripture. Scripture then... The record of the voice of God in Scripture is the touchstone by which we discern the voice of Jesus and follow Him. And in all the competing voices, you test that against the Scripture. A couple of weeks ago, Cindy and I were on vacation, and we were in Texas, and we went one day to Benson Rio Grande Valley State Park. And in that park, they don't allow any motorized vehicles. You have to walk or, or bicycle through the park. But they have a, a tram on about a six-mile loop that makes a loop about every hour. And So if you're hiking or doing something, you can come back to that gravel road at one of those stops, and they'll, they'll pick you up. And so Cindy and I had been out, and we came back to that, and, and the tram came by and got on the tram, and the, the front seat was open. I sat by the tram driver and, and talked to him and asked him about how long he'd been doing that and everything. And we got to talking, and we passed a, on the side of the gravel road as he was driving along was a stone pillar about this high with a brass plate on the top of it. And he said, you see that there? And I said, yeah. He said, that's a survey marker. He said, there's another one just like that one mile away in Mexico. He said, many people think that the Rio Grande River is the border between the United States and Mexico, and it might be some places, but it's not here. Here in this flat land where that river can change course and floods, and it'll cut off those oxbows, and so some land that's been on one side of the river, it'll make a big loop, and now that land's on the other side of the river. And he said the border between the United States and Mexico is always one half mile between these two posts. One mile from this post, one mile, a mile away that one in Mexico, and the border of the United States is always one half mile, the exact middle point between these two posts. The river may change. 
The land may be on different sides, but that border is always halfway between these two posts. Folks, that's how we discern the voice of God. You'll hear a lot of other voices, and they'll be changing. But this is the fixed reference point, that always this is the voice of God, and we will listen to that when there are other competing voices in our culture and in our world. Now, does the voice of Jesus, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, they follow me, do we hear the voice of Jesus in any way beyond Scripture? That is, can Jesus speak with specific guidance to our hearts through the Holy Spirit? And Christians have great disagreement on that question. There are some churches that really emphasize the role of the Holy Spirit, and they say there's the continuing revelation of a word of knowledge that God can give you, and that the word of knowledge can be the voice of God speaking to you. And then there are other churches that emphasize the Scripture alone, Bible churches, churches of Christ, more Calvinistic churches versus the charismatic churches, and they'll say, no, Scripture alone is the only only way we hear the voice of God. Well, I believe that God certainly does speak to us through the Holy Spirit in our hearts and give specific guidance. I've felt that in my life. I've heard the voice of God calling me in different ways and at different times. But there's a caution there that we always test it against that lodestone of Scripture. Because even the voice that you hear in your hearts that you think is the voice of Jesus is not infallible. It is the infallible Word of God that we test it against. Sarah Young has written a devotional book called Jesus Calling. Some of you have probably read it. It sold 17 million copies. Very popular. And both the attraction and the danger of that book is that Sarah Young speaks as if Jesus is speaking in the first person. She writes in the first person as Jesus is speaking in a devotion. It's a daily devotional book, and the devotion will say, I am always with you. Not Jesus is always with you in the third person, but it's written in the first person, the words of Jesus. For example, I'm always with you, and I'm going through, I'm with you, and I know what you're going through. And that's the attraction because it represents what we're talking about here today, a personal relationship with him. It's real. You communicate. There's intimacy. That's also the danger of this devotional book, because if you're going to write something in the first person as Jesus saying it, it better be what Jesus has to say. And the danger is that she's put, it's not as scripture-based, and she's put some of her own thoughts there and is speaking as the words of Jesus. You need to be careful then to test even the voices in your head, in your heart, against the scripture because anything the Spirit leads you is never going to contradict the written word of God. It is our lodestone of the voice of Jesus in our lives. Christ followers, hear the voice of Jesus, recognize that voice, and follow that. And that's going to be harder and harder in our culture as there are more and more competing voices. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Last night, the San Jose Sharks, a NHL professional hockey team, had Pride Night, LGBTQ Pride Night, and they had all their players wear warm-up jerseys that featured a uh, Pride logo. Jeremy Reamer is a goaltender for the San Jose Sharks. 
and he declined to wear the pride jersey. And in an interview, this is what he said last night, I always try to treat everyone with respect. I'm choosing not to endorse something that is counter to my personal convictions, which are based on the Bible, the highest authority of my life. Jeremy Reimer had heard a lot of voices telling him what to do. He believed they were counter to the Scripture, the voice of Jesus, and he chooses to hear and follow the voice of Jesus. He's taking a lot of flack from that. It'll be tough sometimes to follow the voice of Jesus. But that's going to be the challenge in our culture of all those other voices that come. And there are those who would kill and destroy, but there is one who is the good shepherd who came that you may have life and have it to the full And it is Jesus, and he's the gate, the only way to heaven. He's the good shepherd, the one that will lead you into good pasture. And if you are a Christ follower, then you will know him in a personal relationship, and even more importantly, you will be known by him, and you will recognize his voice, and you will follow that voice. That's what it means to be a Christ follower. So today... I invite you to become a follower of Jesus Christ. He stands at the door and knocks at your heart. And if anyone, anyone will open the door, he'll come in and fellowship with him, with you and you with him. Would you open the door of your heart today? We stand and sing in a moment. I'm going to invite you to walk forward and meet me here at the front to indicate I'm I'm identifying as a Christ follower. I'll be baptized. I'll follow his voice. It may be that during this time of invitation, you need to recommit yourself to follow the voice of Jesus. And you say, Jesus, I'm a Christ follower. I know you. You know me. And I'm recommitting myself to discern the voices that I hear, to sift them and filter them through your voice in Scripture. And regardless of the cost... I will follow the voice of Jesus. Stand together with me. Would you come as we sing? Broke my chains, freed my soul for 
Thanks for joining us in worship this morning. I want to remind you that uh, you can place your tithes and offerings in the boxes as you leave. And guests, we encourage you to uh, head up to the Welcome Center there and meet our pastor. We have a gift for you for first-time guests. Um, and uh, so I wanted to make an a introduction, announcement of a, a kind of new thing we've got going. I made reference to this in our newsletter. Uh, but about a year or so ago, uh, we upgraded our church database to a program called Realm. And since then, we've been getting acquainted with its features. And so Realm is a website or a, uh, an app on your phone called Realm Connect uh, that you can use to stay connected in your groups and volunteer serving teams. So uh, some of our connection group leaders have already been using it for online attendance. And our safety team has been using that to make their schedules uh, to communicate and to find subs. And now we're introducing Realm to the entire congregation, uh, starting with connection groups. So later this week, if you are enrolled in a connection group, I'll be sending you an email invitation to Realm. And uh, you'll get an email to the email address that you have on file, uh, that we have on file. Uh, if you're not sure this is a correct email address or you know, you're, you've changed emails, uh, since you've joined or something and, and you're not sure we have the right one, you can email me. My address is on the website. It's on the printed materials, uh, dmckenzie.fbc at gmail.com. If you've got an updated email address, send that to me and we'll get that updated in the database. Um, so this email I'll send you will say, uh, it'll be from First Baptist Church and in the subject line it'll say, First Baptist Church, join our online community. So if you don't see that by the end of the week, uh, you might check your spam or junk folder. Sometimes it goes in there because we send these out kind of in groups, and sometimes your, your program may catch the emails that way. So uh, Realm treats your connection group almost like a Facebook group. Some of y'all have Facebook groups uh, that you use within your connection groups to communicate. Well, Realm will give you that option within your connection group. You can post pictures, you can post files, you can share prayer requests, you can comment, that sort of thing, just like kind of like a Facebook group but you don't have all the other stuff that comes along with Facebook. So it's a contained kind of uh, protected environment there. Um, and then some other features of Realm along the way is that um, as people join, you can see a directory of the people that are part of Realm. So uh, out there on your phone, if you have the app, uh, you can look people up and find their phone number and it's connected to your phone so you can give folks a call or text them. Um, you can view your contributions as they're entered into our databases. You give, uh, you'll have that just, just your own, nobody else's. Uh, you can view your contributions and you can get connected to other volunteer service opportunities. And we'll be explaining that further uh, down the road. So uh, we'll be providing more guidance in the newsletter uh, in the coming weeks. I'll have some little notes in there about things um, and the ways to help you out and other resources. So be sure to look out for more information as we roll out other features in the coming weeks and months. Um, so we will have two apps now. We have the First Baptist Church app that has the sermons. You can do the sermon notes. You can give. You can find a calendar. And now we have an app that relates to groups. So Realm Connect is about groups. So connection groups and then serving teams, we'll get in that later on. But for now, if you're in a connection group, be looking for that email this week and then be looking for notes in the newsletter and other ways uh, that you can get, uh, get acquainted with this new uh, helpful tool for our church. So that's all I got for that long commercial. Uh, I feel like I should have in for 1999. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, let's pray and be dismissed. God, we thank you that you are the good shepherd.
Help us to hear your voice and help us to follow. Help us to be good Christ followers. Sometimes it's hard, but we know you have our best interests at heart. So God, just help us to follow you. We thank you and love you. Thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.